Great job, praise team. Give them another big hand, would you? Because they do awesome, man. They do great. Fantastic. Glad you're here. Welcome to Kavanaugh, your church for life. Uh, we're delighted that you're with us today on Mother's Day. Here's what I got to say. Moms are great, aren't they? Aren't moms awesome? <laughs> Ladies, we love you and we're so proud of you. Uh, and, and God teaches us through our mothers. I mean, I'm still learning from my mom today, and I'm 54 years old, but I can look back on my life, all the great things my mom taught me. Dad was there to provide for me and discipline me and whip me and put me in line. Mom was there to love me and teach me, and, you know, that's just kind of the way it is, right? I'm exaggerating, of course, but mothers teach us a great deal. Uh, years ago, somebody sent this to me. It highlights some of the things that moms teach us through life, and I've added to it through the year. Years, uh, I shared it with you years and years ago, but I'm going to share it again today because it's really good stuff. For example, number one, my mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. She would say to my sister and I, if you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning this house. <laughs> my mom taught me religion. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. <laughs> and it didn't, did it? I, mean, I can remember. No, number three, my mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. And she could. Number four, my mother taught me logic because I said so. That's why. Yeah. Number five, mama taught me more logic. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to go to the store with me. She taught me foresight. <laughs> and I still think about this every morning. You make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. Seven, my mama taught me about irony. You keep crying. I'm going to give you something to cry about. Hey, your, your mother went to the same school my mama went to. Number eight, she taught me about contortionism. Would you just look at that dirt on the back of your neck? She taught me about weather. Your room looks like a tornado went through it. She taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world. <laughs> she taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have wonderful parents like you. <laughs> she taught me about receiving. <laughs> Boy, you're going to get it when we get home. <laughs> she taught me about medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, <laughs> they're going to get stuck like that. Exactly. She taught me about humor. And that lawnmower cuts off your toes. You don't come running to me. <laughs> she taught me about my roots. Shut that door behind you, she would say. Do you think you were born in a... <laughs> and finally, number 16. My mama taught me about justice. One day, you're going to have kids. And I hope they turn out... Yeah. Give moms a big hand, would you? They're great. They teach us all these wonderful lessons. Wow. Let's look at a mama in the Bible. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. I've been doing a series of sermons on the seven miracles from the gospel of John. 
The series is entitled, I Need a Miracle. We're taking a little break from that today as we look at a miracle performed in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. But it's still all about miracles. This is a mother who needed a miracle in a bad way. You know, there are many remarkable women in the Bible. Today I'd like for us to study the life of a woman who may seem a rather unlikely role model for a godly woman, much less a praying mother. After all, she isn't one of the godly Jewish women who had a heritage of faith. No, she's actually a Canaanite woman, a descendant of the pagans who inhabited this region when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land. So she doesn't have the advantage of a legacy of faith. However, we're going to see in this story that just one single encounter with Jesus Christ changes all of that. Her story is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. Let me start reading it in verse 21. It says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered her and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour, or literally at that very moment, this lady received her miracle and her baby girl was healed. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would teach us from this passage today. And I pray, dear Lord, that we would have some mothers here today who would make a commitment to pray for their kids and their family. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's examine this great story about a mama who got her miracle. And the star of this story is Jesus. His divine presence makes all the difference in the world. Look at verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So we're going to focus our time today on the star of this story. We learn from the woman, yes. But the hero of this story is Jesus Christ. It is his presence in this bad situation that makes all the difference in the world for this lady, for her family, and for this little girl. Can, can I just give, let me tell you, he can make all the difference for you too. Jesus can make the difference. He is the star of our show today. Mark in his gospel says that Jesus had come up along the sea and into a certain house to try to escape all the crowds of people wanting to see him and touch him. But Mark states specifically that Jesus could not keep his presence a secret from the people because they were everywhere. They were looking for Jesus. They were seeking their own miracle. 
And I know you came today, ladies, to get your chocolate. I, you know, but I hope that you came today seeking something more than just a piece of chocolate. I really pray that you came today for your miracle that only Jesus can provide. He is the one, I'm telling you, who can do it. And as we think today about prayer and specifically the prayer of a praying mom, we know that the power is not in the mom. That you are great and you turn the mom upside down and it does say wow. <laughs> and you do have the wow factor to you, I know. But you know what? You can't provide the miracles that your kids need. But you can call upon the one who can do that, the Lord Jesus Christ. The personal presence of Jesus is what makes the difference here. That's what prayer is. Prayer is deliberately going into the presence of the Lord and having a conversation with Him. What a privilege to be able to speak to the creator of the universe. I mean, try to wrap your mind around that. Today, right now, you can talk to the God who created everything and knows everything about your life and the life of your family. When I was in college just a few years ago, and a group of us would go out to eat, there'd be a little ritual that took place. You'd see little pinky fingers go up around the table. Everybody at the table, they'd raise their little pinky finger. And the deal was, the last one to raise their pinky finger had to bless the food. They had to pray. Now, did you hear what I just said? The last person who lifted their pinky finger had to lead in prayer, as if it was a punishment for being slow on the draw. You know? The last one had to pray, and, and I played that game. I did it along with everybody else. But you know what? I've been convicted of that since then. Because let me tell you, prayer is not a punishment. Prayer is a great privilege where we get to come into the personal presence of Jesus Christ who is so real to us and we carry on this conversation with Him. We tell Him the hurts of our heart and the needs of our life and He's there to do something about it. Now, here's what you need to know. This woman, hearing that Jesus was near, left her home and went into the presence of Jesus about this extremely urgent matter. And that brings me to my second point. This really is a desperate situation. Look at verse 22. And behold, a woman of Cana came from that region, and she cried out to Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Notice that little phrase, the description of her baby girl. She is severely demon-possessed. That's actually two Greek words that literally mean she was badly demonized. Little girl had a demon or perhaps multiple demons inside of her. She was badly demonized. Now, most of us in this room are not that familiar with this kind of demonic activity. And some biblical scholars explain it away as just being the superstitious explanations of ignorant people. Now, I may be ignorant, but I tell you what, I take seriously the biblical description of what is going on in this little girl's life. It says here that there was a great spiritual battle raging in the soul, in the life, and in the body of this little girl. Now, we are not told in this passage the exact uh, symptoms that this little girl had, 
but there could have been any number of symptoms displayed in her life according to other people from the Gospels that we read about who were demonized. In fact, she could have had uncontrolled behavior. Her symptom could have been violent outbursts or self-destructive actions. We read about a little boy who would fall in the fire, remember, or fall in the water. She could have had convulsions or there could have been screaming. I don't know what she was doing, but I'm here to tell you whatever it was that this little girl did when that demon acted up inside of her body must have ripped the heart out of her mama. Just to watch her baby girl. Again, we're not told how old this little girl was. Five, six, seven, eight, ten years old. But to be tormented like that. Can you imagine seeing your baby tormented like that? And there's absolutely nothing you can do. The situation was desperate. And so was when she came into the presence of Jesus. She is desperate. We can see this by what is said about her. Number one, her plea. Verse 22 says she cried out. It literally means to scream at the top of your lungs. She was crying out to Jesus. Above the noise of the crowd, she wanted her voice to be heard. And specifically, what did she say? She said, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now to me, it's kind of interesting the title she chose to call the Lord, Lord, Son of David. That is a messianic title of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So at least this Canaanite, pagan, Gentile woman recognized Jesus for who he was. The miracle man. And that was her plea. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. But not only her plea, her persistence. The imperfect tense of crying out indicates that this was an ongoing action. She didn't just call this out one time. It was time after time after time she called this out. And that is confirmed by what the disciples insisted in verse 23. They told Jesus, Lord, stop her because she keeps crying out. She won't stop. Lord, shut her up. <laughs> Her plea, her persistence. But then I want you to notice her, her posture. I read this out of the New King James in verse 25. It says, she came and worshipped him. The NIV specifically says, she knelt down before him. She got prostrate before the Lord. She knelt down. It was an act of reverent awe and worship. She got on her knees before the Lord and she begged him. Lord, help me. As I see this picture in my mind's eye, I'm seeing a mother who threw her inhibitions to the wind. Here is a mama that is so desperate, she really doesn't care what other people think about her or what they're saying about her. She, she sees Jesus as the solution to her baby's problems, and so she's pleading to him. She's crying out to him. She's falling on her knees worshiping him. She's desperate. Now, this is really important that, that you hear this, so wake up, all right? For many of us in this room, our situation is desperate, but we're not. Huh? Your situation today may be desperate, but are you? I told the first service, uh, I'm not a very good counselor. 
I, I'm, I'm really not. To be a good counselor, you have to be loving and gentle and sympathetic and caring about people. And <laughs> Got to listen to their problems and, you know, let them do all the talking. So, you know, I love you and I care about you, but for me, it's pretty black and white, you know. Is what the Bible says. You got a problem. You just talk to Jesus. You do what the Bible says. Your problem will be solved. Just do it. So that's my advice to you if you come to me. Okay. <laughs> it went over in this service about like it did in the first service. <laughs> However, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm pretty good. You know, I can read people pretty good. So after a person's been in my office two or three, five minutes telling me their problem, I can pretty well tell you right up at the get-go if this person is actually desperate enough to do what is necessary to solve the problem. Because a lot of times what we do is worry and fret and fuss and nag. We like to complain about our problem. We want to tell other people so they'll be sympathetic towards us about our problem. But we're really not ready to fix it yet. Let me tell you, the only way you're going to fix any problem in your life is to pray about it, turn it over to the Lord, read His Word, and do what His Holy Spirit says to do about it. So our situation may be desperate, but the real question is, are we? Are we desperate enough to do what is necessary to fix the problem? Well, I'm here to tell you, this lady, she was. And that brings me to point number three. She had a determined faith. Now, the immediate response of Jesus must have been rather disappointing to this mother because it says in verse 23, Jesus didn't say a word to her. Jesus just ignored her. He didn't answer her a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, Send her away because she just keeps nagging and crying out after us. My question is, why? I mean, why did Jesus just ignore her? Why, why didn't Jesus say anything to her? Well, we're going to see as we move through the text that it was a matter of timing. Jesus was working according to God's timetable, not this lady's timetable. In verse 24, he said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And biblically, that is correct. Jesus had come to offer his own people the kingdom that had been promised by David centuries before. So it was inappropriate for Jesus to bring blessings to the Gentiles before the blessings fell on God's people, the Israelites. Now, one day the blessings would turn to the Gentiles. But in this situation, that was not the plan. In fact, this momentary delay was a matter of timing for Jesus who was working according to the Father's timetable. And I think in that there is a great lesson for us today. Church, listen to this. Sometimes there are delays in God's intervention because the timing just isn't right. And God sees that. God knows that. He's working in time and space. God is waiting for other things to unfold. It is not that God can't do more than one thing at a time. God can multitask just like you mothers can. God gave you his gift. God can do numerous things. He isn't limited by time and space. But let me tell you, that is the realm in which we live in. So God's timing is important. 
But this woman is undeterred. According to verse 25, she saw in Jesus the only chance for help for her little baby girl. So she got down on her knees and she pleaded. She begged out, Lord, please help. Lord, please help. Now, listen, listen carefully. At this point, a lot of people misunderstand this story because they don't realize that Jesus already knows where this conversation is headed. He knows the faith that is taking root in the heart of this mother. And he's just giving that faith a little time to grow so it becomes a full-bloom flower. Huh? So he replies to her in verse 26, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. It's not very politically correct for Jesus to say something like that to a Gentile woman, is it? Aren't you sick of political correctness? Oh my goodness. And here's where a lot of people go awry in this story. They think Jesus is just being rude to this woman. That's not what's happening here at all. Jesus is not disrespecting this woman at all. In spite of the fact that many Jews saw Gentiles as dogs, in fact, they called them that. But Jesus is not calling her a dog. He's not saying, you're just a little dog. No, Jesus is drawing a picture for her. And here's the portrait that Jesus is drawing. It's a family that's gathered around the table at mealtime. And the head of the house is providing a meal for everyone seated at the table. So the children are all around. They all have their plates. And the father is giving each one a portion of the food. He's dishing it out. Jesus is literally saying, I am feeding the children of Israel. That's why I came. To give the children of Israel a blessing first. But let me tell you, the desperate faith of this mother burst out in verse 27 when she says back to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now that's pretty amazing, is it not? This desperate mama was listening carefully, and she saw herself in this picture. She was not a child in the family, as the Jews were, so she didn't have a seat at the table with her own plate. No, she wasn't worthy of the choices, morsels of food, but she knew, this Gentile woman knew, that even the master of the house would let the little pet dogs under the table eat the crumbs that the kids dropped on the floor. Now, I think any of us who have ever had a dog that lived inside the house can relate to that. You ever had a little dog under the table wanting food? Huh? When I was growing up, we did. We had our little poodle dog named Pootie. Have I ever told you about Pootie, Pootie the Poodle? I, they tell me that the dog was named Pootie by me. I was trying to say pretty, and I couldn't say pretty. I said Pootie, so the name stuck. Pootie is a little white poodle dog, and he would, he would, uh, he would uh, eat under the table. He would get in there, and I'd, I'd slide him stuff all the time, so, you know. It's, it's not in my notes. I just thought of it, but I'll, t I'll tell you what my daddy taught me, all right? My, I told you what mama taught me at the first. Visit. Here's what daddy taught me. He'd, he'd make me so mad early in the mornings. He'd come in, and he said, hey, let's, let's give Pootie that dumb dog test. You want to, son? Dumb dog test? What are you talking about, dad? And so my dad... He pulled out a $100 bill. 
He said, let's just see how smart Pootie is. So he had the $100 bill, and he put it down there. Pootie, you want this $100 bill? Then he got a little piece of bacon and said, Pootie, how about the bacon? Pootie took the bacon. <laughs> it devastated me because I knew my dog was the smartest dog in the world. And, and so I took the $100 bill from my dad, and I started rubbing biscuit and bacon on it. And I tried it, but he still he didn't pass. He, he says, Jay. He was a dumb dog. Anyway, where was I in this message? <laughs> you know, I, I wish I had time to talk about it this morning, but there, there, there's a pretty good lesson here for us. Even the crumbs from the table of God are enough to meet your need. Just the crumbs. But you know what? We're not like little dogs. Can I tell you that? Look, look at me. You're not a little dog under the table of God's blessing. You're a child of the king. You're a child of the Father. you got a place at the table. So you get more than the crumbs. Amen? Now, if I was in a Pentecostal church, it'd get good right now. Huh? Maybe you'd walk on the back of the pews. This is good stuff. You get more than the crumbs. You're a child at the table. Now, this lady, yeah, you can clap. That's pretty good. I thought that was pretty good. You can clap. This lady was not wanting to deprive Israel God's blessing. She was simply asking that, that some of the blessing be extended to her in her need. And what is amazing to me is the response Jesus gave back to her in verse 28 when he said to her, O oh woman, great is your faith. That's some pretty amazing faith, mama. So mamas, listen to this. Do you know that there are different degrees of faith? The Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about people who have little faith, little bitty faith. And then the Bible also talks about people like this praying mom who had great faith. And the amazing thing about it is this lady did not come from a heritage of faith. She came from a pagan family background. But God saw inside of her heart an amazing faith. Great is your faith. In fact, everything that Jesus observed in this mother had faith written all over it. And that's what unleashes the power of God in any situation. Did you hear that? That is the ingredient that unlocks the key and unleashes God's power in whatever situation it is in your life that you need a miracle today. It is our absolute confidence in God because God alone has the power to answer the need that we have in life. And by faith, that gate is unlocked and the miracle comes. Gloriously, we see something else in this story. It's my last point, number four. It is a delivered child. She got her miracle. Look at verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. Or literally, her daughter was healed immediately. Just like this. So, what is it? that connected a powerful Savior to a demonized child. It was a praying mama. You get that? What was it that connected the answer, the powerful God alone, who can change lives, to a little demonized girl? It was a praying mama. The mama connected the two. 
someone was praying for her. Just think about the dramatic change that happened in the life of this little girl. Her life was changed right there. The entire trajectory of her life was changed because she had a praying mama. A mama who got in the presence of God on behalf of her little baby girl. I'm thankful this little girl had a praying mama. Changed her life. You know what? That's just one example of the amazing difference that can happen in anybody's life. Whether it be a child or a neighbor or a maid or a co-worker. Just think of the... Of the trajectory of someone's life that can be changed when they have somebody interceding for them when they have somebody praying for them i don't maybe 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 you're here today and somebody just like this praying mama has been praying for you that's why you're here they've been praying for you i want you to know your life can be changed today this same jesus can change you bam just like that Just as he did for this little girl. It can happen for you. And if you're here today and and you're a mama or you're a daddy, you got kids or grandkids, don't stop praying for them. I mean, every child needs a praying mama. Every grandchild needs a grandmother who prays for them. So would you be that mom? Would you be that grandmother? Bring your kids to the altar today. Pray for them. Intercede for them. You might be the only chance they have. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless this time of prayer for the one here today, Lord, who needs to be saved. May they come and receive Jesus as their Savior. Be forgiven of their sins. Lord, for our moms who are here, help them to to note the importance of a praying mom. That one praying mom can make a world of difference in the life of a kid. So dear Lord, I pray that our mamas never give up on their kids or grandkids. And that today they would intercede for them. May the altars be full. May the aisles be full of mamas and daddies praying for their kids and grandkids today. We love you, Lord. Would you do something awesome right now? in this church as your Holy Spirit speaks to us individually. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Praise team is going to sing. If you want...